Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rat. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Thompson, who is the Senior Capacity Planning Analyst at Skipton Building Society. And we first met in April uh, when Sarah was part of the panel on the Disrupt event in London. And straight away, I thought, right, we've got to, Sarah's got to come on uh, the podcast. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, I was say I, I tend to be the one that people think I talk when you need to talk a lot. So I, I wasn't too surprised when you messaged me. <laughs> come on the podcast, come and talk. And yeah, I quite like that's what I'm good at. <laughs> we are just gonna we are just gonna freestyle, aren't we? So. Oh yes. Yeah, we don't do the irony of planners freestyling, by the way, is is probably the uh, the ultimate thing there. But I, I tend to find if you script anything like this. Then you end up like me, certainly, I end up going, oh, did I mention that point? Did I mention this? Did I mention that? Whereas if you have an organic conversation, I mean, I don't need to pretend. You all know who I am. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you were just telling me before we hit record yes. that you were at the forum um, yesterday and you did the old devil horns. <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. I felt really silly afterwards, but I was just talking about how analysts are like the rock stars of, of a company, really. Um, it was a really good conversation with Ali at the forum and it got me thinking about it a lot more. And, and one thing I sort of talked about was we often talk about managers and, well, leaders in particular, how important leadership is, how important having foundational good leaders is and how that really makes your company stand out. And I totally agree because... You know, I would not be where I am because of the few leaders that I've had. They are, they've been brilliant. But my question and I guess challenge is, it's all very well having a leader, but in reality, if you've not got the talent behind that leader, then what are you going to do? So when I'm saying leaders are, you know, when we're saying analysts are the rock stars, yeah, we are. But the leaders are the managers or the PR reps. They're those guys. You know what I mean? It, it's, I, I really want to shout about analysts more. I want to shout about planners and analysts and the people that aren't, haven't got the L word next to them and just kind of say, look, you guys are amazing. And, you know, without the people or oh, who are the leaders going to lead? Mm. So. And do you think do you think people have started to appreciate the planners and the analysts more over the last two years because of the pandemic? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago. You know, I think a phrase that's used quite a lot in our community is the highest paid person's opinion. Like, and that's all it was. Mm -hmm. It was you would spend hours doing all this analysis. You put towards recommendations. You'd get it absolutely spot on. You'd maybe even make a killer presentation, and then that person would say no because they've been here for a thousand years and they just have a gut feeling that it's a no. And then COVID happened, and it was like it was it was our our, our come to Jesus moment. We came out of the <laughs> shadows. We brought, no, wrong analogy, Moses. We came out and we led them across the Red Sea and that's what we did. But, because but, everybody was saying, everyone was saying to you, uh, hello, what are we going to do? Yeah, that's it. And again, teamwork was probably the most important factor there, you know, because we all end up splitting up over Skipton. So there was only two of us in the head office, um, me because I'm crazy and I can't work at home. And, you know, and my, my lovely friend Vince and we, we literally ended up doing service. Um, so real time, which isn't my role, but it was that awesome feeling of mucking in together and using my previous experience. And, you know, people were coming to us and saying, what do we do? And it's like, right, you're going to do this and it's all OK. But we got to try so many new things. We got to 
do all this really exciting stuff that before we'd have been like, oh, we'll best go through the change process and we'd better go this way and we'd better make sure this person authorizes it. It was just kind of a case of, shall we try it? Yeah. But it was really good. And again, now I feel like in a strange way, for me personally, the pandemic kind of got my profile out there a bit more mm -hmm. because I, I started talking to people I would never have spoken to. And I have, I have no sort of fear of talking to anybody really. Um, really? No, I, it's because I'm not wired right. I, I, I like I will talk to the CEO just as comfortably as I talk to my best friend about certain things. Um, you know, I would so, say you're wired right, not wrong. Yeah, oh, potentially, yes. <laughs> well, it's all all about neurodivergence, isn't it? It's accepting and embracing. But there's one. There's many negative things about being neurodivergent. But my positive is that I have no fear factor when it comes to things that seem to scare other people. But if a moth's in the room, that absolutely terrifies me. So if we could a, avoid a moth. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, nothing should fly that hasn't got any eyes. So has it not got eyes? No, they don't have eyes, apparently. I think I might be right. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to fly. <laughs> well, that explains why they bang into your head. Like, honestly, you kind of setting the cat on them. <laughs> so this um how would you how were you able to say what makes you guys rock stars then in your world well i i think it's everyone's unique abilities and i think that's the cool thing about analysts and planners and people that don't have the l word is that there are a set of standards really for the l word and that's the great because it helps in the L word. Yeah. Meaning? <laughs> I, 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 leadership. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I have this, I, I, I have this thing where I always say I'm not a leader. I'm a technical lead. Um, and that's because I kind of feel like if you are a leader, you have constraints around you. Um, so I can be a bit more passionate. I can be a bit more gitty and weird and unusual. And that's kind of okay. Whereas sometimes, certainly a lot of my colleagues who've gone through leadership, I, I sort of see them sit up a bit straighter and I see them <laughs> kind of lose a bit of their muchness. And I know that shouldn't be the case. And I'm not mm. saying it is 100% of the time, of course mm. not. But it's one of those where I think if you don't have the L word next to your title, then you can really kind of get to the bits that no one else can because you don't have to think about okay, is this going to affect this person's development? Is it going to do this? Is it going to do that? And to me, that's much more powerful. Like mm -hmm. you can make real changes and that's super exciting. And again, a lot of the people who don't go down the leadership route tend to have sort of different ways of thinking as well. And some of your best creative minds and your best code monkeys, whatever you want to call them, you know, they will have the ideas that will change your company. Mm. And my real grumble is that we tend to sort of forget those people because they're not always the loudest and they're not mm. always the most confident. Mm. But it's like if you celebrate them for the rock stars they are, that's how you get innovation, not just change. Mm. I love that. I, <laughs> I, I, I love that. And it's a really, really... you've you've got my mind just going straight away around the whole um we used to call in operations it, we used to call people and I think I was one for a while was like a peacock so it was all about the show and kind of yeah as you said it's like look at me 
and that and that path does lend itself to more often anyway going through leadership sort of progression but now making sure you're hearing everyone in the room to your point around you know what some of the people that don't fit that have got great ideas probably better than than yours but it's a really interesting point you made about um just leadership shackle people and make them maybe overly conscious of how they're appearing and stifle some of their more natural personality and instincts that's a really interesting point and again it's not the same for everybody of course it's not Mm. but one thing I would say is, I mean, you've talked to hundreds of people, maybe thousands, you know, about call centers and about operations. How many of them have a dedicated analytical program for progression? Because I know that we certainly don't. That's a really good point. Um, you hear everybody most, going through yeah. a leadership program. Mm. That's really good because I have, there's been a couple of guests on, um, but I would say more readily sit in your world and none of them have mentioned anything anything like that. It's a big miss for our industry, isn't it? You should make one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I will. Give me time. Give me a week. <laughs> but again, that's kind of the thing. It's like I read the most wonderful post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. Um, I cannot remember the lady's name, so if you're watching, I'm really sorry. Um, but she mentioned about how real-time um, seems to be kind of where we dump the newbies. And really, that's probably one of the places you need to have the most analytical thinking because mm. you have to do it on the fly. Mm. You can't just kind of like, we're forecasting and sort of capacity planning and even scheduling. You can sit back, you can look and you have time. Real time, oh, <laughs> my life has gone off. <laughs> but, but, this is like you're like a terrorist that they've put on the news. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Come for a walk with me, everybody. This yeah, is, this I like this. Room. <laughs> Let's have a guided tour. That's it, yeah. So, well, you can see our atrium. It's a, it's a lovely little, a lovely little atrium. We have like this nice, cool little place we can sit and learn Ooh, things. That's nice. You can, see that. or you can yeah. just see the blind, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh I, I love, the, I love the t-shirt. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, it's a quote by. Um, oh my gosh, I am rubbish it's, with names. <laughs> it's um, it's a feminist. Um, it's from the yeah, forces society, actually, isn't it? Yes, so it was yes. actually written as part of an academic um, research piece into women who died in the, I might be misquoting, but I think it's the 1800s. And what she was looking at was their funeral sermons. And the quote she came out with, and it's in, I say it's in an academic paper, is well-behaved women seldom make history because their, I think, I believe their eulogies were boring. <laughs> I don't know how else to yeah. say it, you know. Yeah. You know, she was a good wife and mother right cheers <laughs> you know, cheers to that but it's one of those quotes where I don't really like jumping on the bandwagon too much with these things because you know but the fact it came from an academic journal and the fact that a lot of the time and again it's not just women it's, it's minorities as well you know again mm. you remember it from Sabia that wonderful um diversity panel that we went yeah, through that was on it was brilliant mm. and I like wearing this t-shirt to work sometimes because Every now and then I need a little kick up the bum and I need reminding. And mm. it's like, do you know what? Those times where I, because, you know, I toe the line. I, I sometimes go a little bit over. And every now and then I need to remember that going over the line a little bit is all right, you know. And it's one of those where I, I like to wear it because 
people then just kind of ask me about it and I can say well you know do you want to make a difference or do you want to just sit at home and bake do you know what I mean I love Which, it. by the way baking's good yeah <laughs> but, you know. yeah we're, we're not you're not negating that but um yeah I'm not I negating the baking. more cakes <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm fully behind that men of quality don't fear equality so yes and that's it but again that's something and again I know you guys you talk about it quite a lot and again right on please do you know the more we talk about it the better it is um but again equality it's again it's almost what we were talking about with leadership earlier isn't it really because it's 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 pushing one group Mm. as a head of of another in status Mm. because they've got the l word next to their name Mm. um but anyway, yes, yeah, so real time. Yeah, yes. So, let's, sorry, Do, doing a Billy Connolly here where I sort of go back <laughs> on myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so yeah, real time. I, I say we chuck our newbies in there, our planning newbies. And we expect them to learn things and we expect them to do all these things and solve all these problems very, very quickly. And then we move them to another area where they don't have to do that anymore. And on one hand, I totally see the benefits of that because I think when I was in real time, it kind of got my brain thinking differently, got me thinking tactically, got me thinking fast, but it's not the same for everybody. Mm. And then when we want them to progress, we say, well, what's your analyst, uh, analytical experience? And it's like, well, I don't have any. You chucked me into a real time role and didn't tell me how to analyze the data. And it's like, what do we think is going to happen? That's how we end up with these people that are in the same role for a long period yeah. of time because the only thing we tend to focus on is well can you lead it's like yeah but we can't no. all lead you know so what, what we're going to lead each other around in a conga that's not how it works <laughs> how would um how how should it look then do you think or how do you get the best out of that that world the analytical stuff yes I think we need more people talking about it. And I think we need, I think, I don't say we need more, I don't think we need more pandemics, but we need other events where people realize the value. And, you know, the goals of leadership are absolutely right. They are bringing your people along with you. They're bringing them up, helping them progress and things like that. But we almost champion that to the point where, well, if you don't go that route, you're, you're going to hit a ceiling eventually. Mm. So I guess it's that. It's Let's have more rock stars. Let's have more people that we celebrate who are doing the nerdy things you know let's just go for it what's the worst that could happen we might outrank the leaders you know <laughs> nothing wrong with that I think for me well <laughs> but I love that's one thing Skipton is doing really well at the moment is we're really trying to sort of move our shift from just people leading on to sort of technical expertise as well and you know like every company we're still learning we're still growing but we are taking time to say to people right this is what we're this is what we want you to do we know your skill set is here we're not going to pigeonhole you into having direct reports because you want mm. to progress um it's like me i am absolutely i'm a really good mentor i'm good at that i can do that thing where you help people and i'm a good teacher you know when it comes to newbies i'm brilliant at that i'm a bit too blunt to be a leader um because if someone's having a bad day depending on my frame i'd be like just get on with <laughs> yeah. it, which is not what you do when you're a leader um you know so again I've had many conversations with people about it about they're like oh why don't you lead you'd, you'd be really good at it and mm. it's like because I don't mm. want to I want to help people I want to help my colleagues and I want to mentor and I want to help because again you know I'm, I'm an ex-teacher I want to watch them grow and develop but I don't want the paperwork 
and I don't want to be accountable for these people. I want to kind of be on the side. And, and I guess it's, it, it's that mindset as well. It's the only person, the person to develop you, yes, it has to come from yourself. And yes, your leader can guide it, but use the people around you as well. Just because they don't have that word next to their name does not mean they can't change the way you think mm. about something. I'm fully behind you on um, progression doesn't have to be linear. So mm. we, when, we, when we think of progression or when you talk to people about how do you want to progress, how do you want to develop, it, all answers for me are, are, are okay. And, but it's mm. important that you let people know, I'm not just talking going up, a, up an org chart. Let's forget org charts. Let's yes. let's 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 think about um, you as an individual and leaning into skills that you you show passion for. Let's do whatever it takes to make you feel like you're you're growing all the time. That that's progression um, for me, and I'm I'm fully behind you on this kind of. I'm hope I was hope I'm hopeful still that the the whole period of the pandemic is just smashing through norms like it's kind of lazy thinking right that we just stick to norms we've got so much potential to look at new ways of, of thinking and you mentioned neurodivergence and yeah. neurodiversity and again I think that's a whole I look at that and think it's a whole opportunity to hear from different people and accommodate different people's ways of thinking that we and it's interesting it's just fascinating well, that's it. I mean, the only data we have on neurodivergence really is that based on teenage boys, because that was the populace that was available when they were doing a lot of the studies. And it's the, you know, that category, it's easier to diagnose them because they show more. So ADHD, for example, the hyperactivity in boys tends to be from not being able to keep still, from moving around, from being disruptive. For girls, it tends to be being excessively chatty. It tends to to be you know there's always that girl in class who would sit there and not be listening because she'd be chatting well that's you know that's how girls express it we can hide it more in the traditional sense of what has been observed mm. but that's why so many women are getting diagnosed later in life mm. and you know I, I didn't know I was neurodivergent until the last couple of years and you know it was only really by doing a bit of self-exploring and because if you if you go to the NHS it takes about a year to get a diagnosis mm. if not more and if yeah. you go private it's like five grand and I'm like <laughs> No thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm crazy. I don't need a bit of paper to tell me I'm crazy. Um, but you know, it's and again, but it, it's kind of almost unlocking a superpower. And I know that sounds a really weird way of thinking about it. But like, I look at the things that I can do that other people praise me for. You know, being a little bit out of the box, being a bit more confident than most. And that's because of neurodivergence. Mm. You know, again, the coding stuff I'm good at, the building things in DAX, the um macros excel like if you had told like 20 year old sarah oh you're going to be an absolute tech like whiz in in 10 years time i'd have been like i don't like excel <laughs> you know it, it, it's like but you know and that's what's really cool about it is is like i've always known that i like procedure and order that's mm. that's been one of those things and i'm but like you start looking back at your childhood and you're like oh yeah that makes sense Really? And you start looking at things you've done with work and you're like, yeah, no, that maps to that. And you're like, Ugh. and I, I kind of think we should just be more honest about it because everybody's a little bit neurodivergent. You know, it's a, mm. it is a scale at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you could be dyslexic, you could be uh, ADHD, ADD, you know, autism. People only ever talk about the bad things. And I'm really loving that people are starting to focus on the good things. 
Mm. It's like, yeah, okay, I might struggle in a big room of people when they're all talking at me at once. But I tell you what, you give me something that's broken, I'll fix it quicker than anyone else in the room. Yeah. So. <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a guy I know who is uh, one of the analysts at um, BPA. And when, we were, when I was more frequently going into the office, so we, we have to make uh, so accommodations for his condition and, and things like that for fire alarms and things like that. But he is probably one of the most talented people I've ever met. Now he, and every time I went to see him and let's say it was like a month or maybe sometimes I'd, I wouldn't see him for six months and then we'd, we'd catch up. He was already fluent in four languages when I first met wow. him. But by the time I'd seen him, like a, a year or so later, he was up to seven, like fluent in, in like seven languages wow. that he predominantly taught himself. But it was all just, his, his manner is just amazing. It was all just very matter of fact. Because I would, I would make a joke, not a joke about it, but I'd say, how many, how many are you up to now? And he'd say, well, we count Mandarin seven. I yeah, think I'm... I've lost you, Martin. Sorry. Oh. Am I back? Yes, you're here. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't. I, it sounded really good. And I was like, I really don't want to miss this. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're back. Sorry. <laughs> good. I was, yeah, I was just saying he, um, he would, he, I'd say, so how many are you up to now? And he'd say, well, if we count Mandarin, seven. Yeah, seven languages. <laughs> and it was all just very matter of fact. And I think that, you know, trying to be open to the, and use that like you say that I look at him as a superhero and think this this yeah. guy's brain is amazing it is a piece of art and that's it oh I've lost it you now the coolest part is that no two people are expert not even a little bit you know I I I learned through research that's my thing so I've researched it um but the facts like like when you're talking there about languages it's patterns mm. and it's awesome like mm. i bet you a lot of his languages if he's saying mandarin i bet he's got a lot of other eastern languages in there because the patterns will be similar mm. and that's what's really kind of awesome about it and again that's why a lot of the time you know we can do things other people can't um and again but it's it's also making allowances for it so my humor is quite dark because of it. so like earlier for example what i mentioned oh i'm crazy it's my kind of way of kind of normalizing it i guess because we yeah. use that term a lot i'm sure you know and it's i use humor a lot when i'm feeling a bit anxious or nervous because i know that if i get a laugh then it's like oh i can tell you're happy that's good <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean it's like okay, yeah. i got a laugh Phew. the situation's <laughs> fine um but, you know, again, I, I would also say, like, the biggest thing is encouraging people who don't know more about it. You don't have to mm. read a book. Just because I read 6,000 books doesn't mean you have to. Just speak to someone like me who's not shy about talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, you know, I, I certainly don't have even a tenth of the answers. But, again, you know, just talking about it, we get it out there more, you know. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned, um, you mentioned that you don't you don't feel nervous about just getting up and, and talking. And I saw that firsthand in, in April. Was that the first time that you'd been on a, on a stage like kind of presenting or? 
Um, well, it's my first time on a panel. Um, I, I'm a bit of a theatre kid, so she's always been on the stage. Um, <laughs> I get what my granddad calls, um, he calls me a performance personality. So like now, for example, this is my stage and I'm here Ta-da! and I'm entertaining, that's me. <laughs> and I will be absolutely engaging. I'll be really like, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll need about three hours to calm down afterwards because I'll be knackered. Yeah, it's a lot of energy for me. And it's it's that thing my granddad calls performance because he's a jazz musician. And oh, really? he would, oh, he's brilliant. He's 92, my granddad, and he still plays his trumpet for like three hours a day. He's, he's wow. amazing. Um, but he's a jazz musician. And like when he was, he would be the one that would be out there like making everyone laugh, being felt formal. You know, he's the, the most engaging person in the room, but then you won't see him for three days. Because he needs that time to recharge. <laughs> yeah, it's either on or on or off, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because people assume I'm an extrovert because they see me when they're t- when I'm in public like this, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're like, oh, you're really good at talking. It's like, yeah, but I need about a week to recover afterwards. Because <laughs> you just you were just so natural and engaging on um on the panel, and it was like you had no nerves. But did you feel nervous? Beforehand, yeah. And yeah. I always kind of do, and it's it's not a ner- it's not nerves of like. Oh, oh, I might mess up. I might look stupid. It's like I might talk over someone. I might, do you know what I mean? The things that when I get excited and I'm really passionate about something, I kind of, I just want to let everyone know. And I'm like, mm. and I just get really like that. And my, and that's where that part of my brain, I think people sometimes, well, I want one of my worries and one of the things I get nervous about is, oh God, are people going to think I'm really rude because I will accidentally talk over them because I've not read their cues right and things like that. And you know that side of it I was worried about but when I get on there I figure if I make an idiot of myself as long as as long as everyone's having a good time you know as long as I'm not upset anybody that's the most important thing is like knowing your audience and kind of mm. you know because that, that that Sabio panel was lovely because there was lots of rather talented women on that panel and, and men as well and I kind of felt like I was in a space where I could be the kooky one I could be myself because you know it was nice I felt you know we obviously had a nice chat beforehand and I felt really at ease and, you know, again, stuff like this, it's easier online because obviously mm. I'm in a room on my own and I can do my hand gestures and stuff and people don't laugh at me. Um, but it, I think any, with anybody, and I say this to my colleagues and, you know, my team, I say, look, at the end of the day, no one's going to know if you mess up apart from you. And if mm. they do realise you messed up, it's like if you, if you fall over, do a forward roll and do a flourish at the end and everyone will clap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that. You you touched on a really interesting point that um, I spoke about with a friend of mine, Helen, a few years ago, was around um, how th- communication is so important. And you mentioned about not wanting to talk over people. Mm. And we we spent some time just talking about how something like that isn't rudeness. It's like enthusiasm and wanting to make that connection yeah. and going, oh, I, I can relate to you too. And I've got something to say now. And I, you have to teach yourself to slow, slow, pause that and allow the person to have space and then go and then let it let it out. But the other thing that was really interesting was um, how when someone, let's say, for example, someone says, oh, I've just come back from a holiday in uh, France and you go, I've been to France three times. And and, and that sometimes the other person thinks, oh, you're kind of stealing my thunder but it isn't yeah. that it's not that mm. it's that you are desperately showing we've got something in common well and that's it 
Mm. A lot of the time when, when I get excited about something, it's like, oh my God, I can, I can relate to you. I don't have to think about what to say. Um, but again, I completely agree. And it's, and it's something that, like, yes, we should make allowances for, but at the same time, for me, I recognize it as it's a thing that isn't always great. And, and again, it's my development point. And that's another thing. It's like, yes, we should make allowances, but mm. we also kind of need to take ownership as well. So like, cause I could have just spent this whole time talking about absolute rubbish and ignoring you. But I didn't because, you know, that's you've watched how all the other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but and again, it, it, that's that's the thing. It's like you know, as a panel, it was I was I was I'm always the first to talk, and it's because I I don't like silence. I I find it very awkward, and it makes me really kind of, you know, and it, it it's one of those where when you kind of when you kind of don't have that fear, you're never the, scared of the first one to talk. Yeah. And then everyone else gets comfortable. And then that makes me relax because I can see everyone else go, oh, thank God someone spoke, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing we know, it's like, oh, right, now we're having a conversation. So, and that's the exciting bit. But I know what you mean about the jumping in and stuff. You know, again, I, I always say to people that I'm really sorry if I do it, it's not be being rude or, you know, I just, sometimes I miss cues and things like that, you know. Um, but like, I still, again, I, I think people just need to be a bit, like some of my closest friends just go, Sarah, shut up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you always need those, you always need those people, don't you? My, my yeah. family do it to me very often. Or they will stop me when I'm just, sometimes I'll be monologuing just nonsense as I'm wandering around the house. And they're like, right, you're, you're talking at, I don't even know if you know what you're saying. <laughs> like, oh my no, God. I don't. My, my dad does that. There we go. I've just done it again. I've just jumped in and I've said, oh, I can no. relate to that. <laughs> we call it bonging. We go around and go, oh my God. <laughs> now let's talk about something else you mentioned right at the start. Was this, you, you're involved in lots of exciting things when it yeah. comes to the work that you do, right? What are some of the things that you're doing? So a while ago, someone told me that you can't build an Erlang calculator in um, Power BI. So I've done that, um, just to prove I could. Yes. Um, so we're, I'm really excited about this because it's going to change kind of how we use Power BI. Because a lot of the time, Power BI gets used as a visualization tool, which is what it is. But it also has a lot of modeling tools in the background that you can use. And I kind of, again, I want to shout about how important it's everyone can make a pretty graph in Power BI. It's not hard. It's, it's what it's for. But if you can make Power BI work with you, that gets your stakeholders engaged. So you don't have to whack out the Excel model and hope that the zooming is right. You can go on the screen and go, right, well, this is our plan. It's fixed. And I can change these parameters and variables. You know, you don't need a capacity plan. You don't need a separate scheduling plan. You can do it all there. And that's been a real kind of game changer so it's it's still in the kind of tweaks and testing phase you know ian from the planning forum has been an absolute legend he's just by like he even if he doesn't know the answer like he'll know the math side of it whereas and i'm just like okay so if i can make that math bit fit with that math bit that'll work so you know it, that that side of things he's been an absolute legend and you know it, it's working it's great and i'm, I'm comfortable with the core concept of it so we're rolling it out to our um, TM population, uh, hopefully in a few weeks. Uh, we had a bit of a hiccup where I accidentally deleted part of it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, it was, I literally, 
like you know when you delete the one thing you shouldn't delete yeah that was what yeah. I did so I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding part of it now um Oops. but yeah <laughs> that was it and my, my boss came over she's like are you okay I was like if I sit under the desk is that really weird and she was like it's okay I'm just gonna curl up in the fetal <laughs> position <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, after the quick rebuild, um, we'll be putting out, but we want, the idea is we want to have one unified version across all of our teams. So from schedule, so from forecast right down to real time, you know, we, I use the analogy of having um, drawbridges. So at the moment, well, not at the moment, previously we kind of had like four kingdoms. So we had forecastia, we had capacity plania and scheduling and then real time. And what we would do is we would start in forecastia and we would do all our bits there, get the product ready to go, so the plan, and then we would send it across the drawbridge and it would go to capacity, but then that drawbridge goes up and that's it, there's no way back. And then we would nice. do the same all the way down the line. And what I kind of saying is, well, let's not do drawbridges, let's do swing bridges because then we can swing it back around if we need to. You know, we need to be able to sort of say, if a tactical change happens, it shouldn't be a big thing. It should be a case of, right, this event has changed, we're going to change the forecast, or we've got this training that needs booking in, and this is what's going to happen. And we can go backwards and forwards down the process. And that's kind of where this Erlang calculator, we're calling it plan on a page, is kind of there, because we get a lot of theoreticals in, in capacity meetings, as I'm sure everybody does. And you can just do it there, you can go bish, bash, bosh, done. And oh, wow. then, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's like, okay, well, what would happen if we had an extra thousand calls that day <laughs> well we've been knackered but you know you can prove it do you know what I mean it's like it, and and that for stakeholders I found is really really powerful particularly when it comes to influencing mm. because otherwise it'd be oh we'll take it away and we'll look at it and it's like no no, no I want to show you now like this is why I'm saying this and that's something I'm really excited about because I think if we can use this universally have one version of the truth all the data is governed and beautifully laid out because oh you know that's important not for everyone just for me but you know and all of that side of it then we know that we know that we're going to have this consistent approach throughout our process and then when we have changes tagging that data tracking it back and it's just when it's oh, when i've got the last little like t's crossed and everything it's just really beautiful that you know what it sounds amazing and the way you bring <laughs> it to, the way you bring it to life is brilliant so this would allow you to test all kinds of scenarios and be prepared for them more so than ever before. So it's, it's, we're using sprint methodology, so it's quite simple stuff now. But yeah, phase two I've got planned out already. I want to, I want to be able to do it at kind of a, a more detailed level. I want to kind of have a bit more around the shrinkage analysis because at the moment it's like a high level because it's an MVP. So it's the you know it's a high level right. If I change shrinkage from thirty percent to thirty five, what happens? But I want to get to that point where stakeholders can take it away and play with it and do their own things and we don't have to worry about oh my god what if they calculate the thing wrong and because it's there they can do that and that sort of self-serve capability for the simple questions mm. then means that we can focus on the big picture and and that's really cool to me that's that's what analysts should be doing we shouldn't be sitting there and answering a mailbox like what happens if this this happens then <laughs> you know it, it's it's not it's not kind of that people can self-serve and for managers, that's really empowering as well, or like contact center leads or, you know, Exco, anyone can use it. And that's the, the sort of overall plan for it is that, you know, people are empowered to be able to make these sort of decisions, which then gives us more time to look at the really big issues. Like, you know, are we, is our operating model correct? Can we look at how we can 
make our change make changes to make our rap time less um get out of rap lol um you know (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean all these changes that could actually make a better customer experience and colleague experience we can start focusing on that as opposed to this event's happening and we have to react i'm gonna clip i'm gonna clip that (laughs) (laughs) get out of rap lol oh my god (laughs) see what i mean like stuff just comes out and then afterwards i'm like a normal person wouldn't have said that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love it though it's great and um, I guess what you're doing as well you've mentioned it a few times about stakeholder engagement so that people can really see what you're what you're doing the um, what's possible and and probably well hopefully appreciate just the skill set that exists within your world right And, and that's it and it's empowering my team as well because, you know, we, we, there's a lot of times where hierarchies kind of, there's like a few gray areas, for example, and hierarchies come in and, oh, well, it's not this team, it's that team. And I kind of want to eventually break down those silos. You know, at the end of the day, I want, if, if, my, if my most junior planning member turns to you and says, I really wouldn't recommend this, it, the answer shouldn't be, oh, well, I've decided it's okay. It should be, <laughs> yeah. right, I need to think about this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm making this sound very doom and gloom, but you know. Yeah, I know what I, you mean. I want, yeah. I want my team to be kind of like, right, well, I'm saying this, this is the evidence and this is the output. If you're happy with that, totally fine, but you need to be accountable for it. You know, leave the planning guys alone. It's not all our fault. Some of it is, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you can't just say the forecast is wrong every time. It's like, no, you need to look at the bigger picture here, folks. Come on. <laughs> and, and as well as the, um, the thing in Power BI, what I imagine you've probably got about 10 different things on the go as well haven't you me never no I'm very very good yeah no that's that's the hyper fixation I pick things up and put things down all the time um all sorts really I mean I'm I'm trying to focus on my team a little bit because one of my when I'm in the right headspace I'm really good at mentoring and I'm really like so I'm trying to kind of get to the point of okay when I'm not in the right headspace what do I need to do to make people know that they can still come talk to me but I might not be at my best so there's a bit of I'm doing a bit around that. I've been doing a lot of research into kind of um, how to sort of develop someone else when you're not in your right space. It doesn't happen often, you know. I'm very very cheerful most of the time, but you know we all have those days. And yeah. my because I'm outwards, my my moods tend to sort of spread. So if I'm in a bad mood, you can guarantee the rest of the team will be by the end of the day because I just I stink of anger. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not subtle. <laughs> um so you know there's been a bit about that but also a bit about um i'm also working with a lot with our neurodivergent team i've kind of covered that already though um we've got leeds pride coming up this weekend so i'm helping with some of that stuff i got my nails did and everything (laughs) (laughs) and then oh gosh what else have we got and honestly it's it's a lot of plates i just need to remember what order they're in and we've got what else are we doing we're working a lot on our service modeling so that's really exciting because we're kind of we're not going through like a restructure but we're looking at kind of how we're working and do we need the same structure we've always seen so i guess it is a restructure but it's not like a a formal one where people are at risk or anything scary like that and that's really exciting to me because we can kind of look at what we're doing we can take the best bits and we can evolve it and that's what i want to do because Again, I mentioned silos earlier, but again, having like a forecasting team and a capacity team, and it's great, but you're so diluting that skill set. 
you know what I mean it's like if someone if we've, we've, we've got say two schedulers and one of them goes off that the person's workload doubles mm. whereas mm. and you know we could come in and we could nip in and help and things like that but in reality you know I, I know multi-skilling is a bit of a hot topic should we do it should we not but if we've got a planning team that knows the process start to finish, they might not be able to do the forecast, but they know why the forecasts have been done. Mm. Then it's that confidence. That, and again, with this stakeholder engagement, I want any stakeholder to come to my team and know, right, I can talk to them. I don't need to talk to Sarah because she's the, the senior. I don't need to talk to Victoria because she's the senior. I can talk to anyone in my team. You know, it, and I want... Do you know what I'm just gonna say? I want my team to be the best planning team in the world because they can. Yeah. I can see their potential. Yeah. They're brilliant. And it's kind of finding those little things that we don't that aren't quite working and just kind of being okay with going, right. So what do we do about it? And it's great though, isn't it? That? Yeah, 100%. Like our process, we use NICE as our workforce management system. And you know, I being the mental person I am, decided to read the user guide from front to back and all the process guides and all that. So I know a lot about NICE and you know I've through having these sort of collaborative sessions with all the teams we're like going wait so you're using that you know that if you do this it's like 100 times quicker and it's again it's just because there were silos before we never really got the chance mm. to talk about it so we're, we're sharing a lot of our huddles now we're doing a lot more together and we're sort of not viewing ourselves as four teams we're viewing ourselves as a planning team and to me that's really really powerful because mm. You, you know if you're not what's it like united we stand divided we'll fall you know it's, yes. it's one of those isn't it so. and are you um we we've shared messages um yeah. around our our industry and how it's perceived and i know this is something you're really passionate about we don't have to talk about some of the documentaries and things that have been mm. on but what, have the ones you... that were definitely on Channel Five for a reason. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When you're when you're outside of work with your um, friends, are you as, are you as, are you a passionate kind of champion of breaking oh, yeah. down some of these misperceptions of of where we work? Yeah, and but again, it works both ways because a lot of the time we hear the doom and gloom from customer insight, but when you actually talk to people, a lot of them have mm. a lot of nice things to say. But yeah, when you hear these, oh, you know, people are lazy, people in call centres are rubbish. Da, da, da. I get really angry when it's about our colleagues and our guys on the phone because it really, it makes me cross. It's like, you don't see it. You don't mm. see it when they've had, like the base rates just changed. So our mortgage guys are inundated, you know, and mm. it's the, we yeah. just had the month end. So we've got all of those extra calls on top of that. And then the base rates change and people are going, oh, well, I've had to wait five minutes and da, 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 da. You know, there might be a hundred other people that happen to wait five minutes, but that mm. one person and they get on the phone and they scream at somebody. Mm. And that's when I go into rescuer mode, which is not the right thing to do. And but I want to get on that phone and go back off. You don't even understand. Yeah. You know, but obviously I won't do that. If anyone from Skipton's watching, I'm not gonna do that. You know, <laughs> please don't sack me. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those where like if you could see how hard these people work. If you could see how stressful it is. I mean, imagine, and, and again, I, I mentioned it on the panel, flip it back. If you get stressed mm. or have a bad thing, you can nip off and grab a cup of tea. Yeah. You can't do that on the phone necessarily mm. because mm. you might have your leader breathing down your neck about your AHT. You might have 
um you know pressures from the rest of your team like oh she's always off going to the loo or you know mm. those kind of things and it's you know you have customer pressures because a lot of these people really want to help you know mm. and that that makes me so angry when people have such good intentions and for lack of the word the general public just doesn't understand it and I would actually say that it should be compulsory for every single person to do six months a year in either a contact center or in retail because you see the uglier sides of humanity but you also learn how to deal with them and that's mm. what's really good and you know there's people that do stay in contact center roles for years and years and years and it's because they enjoy that satisfaction of helping people and they're very good at it mm. and you know people say contact centers are a drain on the company and it's like yeah they are because you don't give us enough time to fix the stuff that we can make better mm. you know you don't want to spend to see the outcome it's like god just give us your money don't be bogged down give us your money you know we'll, oh, we'll turn ourselves around <laughs> hugely behind you on that because with with investment and realizing that it's not cost centers they're customer centers that can absolutely engage your customer base through um, your contact center more more so than anywhere else but like you i would love i'm very passionate about defending um defending it and just trying to like you say you said a lovely phrase there about just flipping it around and saying you know i think i have an aversion to talking on the phone even now because at the end of the day of being on the phones the last thing I wanted to do was talk or or even yeah. listen, you know? <laughs> because like you said, you had a bad call. It was unless it was really bad, you just had to go straight onto the onto yeah. the next one and then the next one and then the next one until your until your break. Although I would say it's it it was the best place to become resilient um, yes, and definitely. just and, and find and find coping mechanisms, but also the power of the people sat around you was just and yeah. humor you mentioned humor as a defense mechanism oh you have that, to that's yeah. when we all went we all went to humor as a way of um coping with the mm. hammering that you would you could potentially get you know and like you say it's not it wasn't all doom and gloom there were some absolutely lovely people that you would speak to oh, who were really yeah, thankful and they'll brighten your day. exactly what what do you when you look at um planning as a whole and our industry and customer sort of what where do you see where where do you see this going in terms of the future if you were to sort of blue sky it i i would love it to be a sort of balance so i, I do think automation is the way forward and i think that there are things that we can get with um ai robotics that there's things like that we can do i think human touch is more is very important though but mm. i want to get to a stage where we have people that are comfortable enough to be themselves on the phone and if they need a break giving them ownership do you know what i mean it's yeah. still things like what we've, we've just induced is that skipped in actually um you know we, we've actually got this thing now which we call well-being break so if they need a if they had a tough call we wanted to do that but at the end of the day how can we you know what i want is people to feel like they love their job and you know, I think we've all been in that job in the past where we think, oh, well, if people love their jobs, they're lying. But when you actually get to that point where, you know, call centre agents aren't lesser people because they mm. might be starting their career or, you mm. know, at the end of the day, I want to be able to get to a place where a customer could go through whatever channel they want 
and they can get through to the right person first time, which I know is cliche as hell, but it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's it. If you take all the fluff and the noise and all of that, the key, the key goal of any contact centre should be to get that first, that call right first time or chat, whatever. And if you didn't get it right, that's also okay. You know, follow-ups are fine. They're part of the process. But that customer should feel like they're being taken care of and that colleague should feel like they're being taken care of by the business. You know, burnout is, and we talk about it a lot, but mm. when it's horrible when you see it. You can tell when someone's mm. like getting there and, you know, they feel like, it, it, what's worse is when people feel like they can't talk to someone about it. So that's why another reason why I kind of say, look, you know, I'm not your manager. I'm your colleague. Tell me what's going on, you know. And again, that's not me. I'm sorry. That, that didn't sound like I was having a go at managers. I really wasn't there. You know, managers help I know you all were. the time. I know you were. <laughs> um, but, you know, and it's a lot easier to break down sometimes. And when you are someone's colleague, you can reach out to them. Whereas when you do have that hierarchy, you kind of. Like, even if you have the best intention in the world, people are like, oh, well, she's my manager. He's my manager. He might, he controls my bonus. He controls my, do you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, let's all support each other. Let's kind of, you know, let's help the leaders out here. You know, let's, let's go and then we're naturally going to be happier and our customers are going to have a better experience because we're more pleasant. I love it. I don't I think it really it. answered your question though. We did. <laughs> You did. Now, this, this oh, no. unfortunately, have to bring this highlight reel of it, it's been there's been so many highlights in um, in this episode. It's <laughs> going to be tough. <laughs> we you've got to come back and do um, another one for for sure. Yeah, as long as you're as long as you're OK with that. We don't even need to choose a topic. We're just going to go freestyle again. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Again, I'd say if we'd have chosen this topic, I'd have written a page of notes and I'd have been like this. <laughs> you know it's just let's not do it and again anyone else who's coming on this show this is to you right don't plan it just talk to him like he's lovely he's a nice guy don't think he bites he didn't when we were at this cabio conference you know just be yourself have fun and talk about what you're good at that's all we do Sarah thank you thank you so much (laughs) stand by thank you very much bye-bye have a great day Martin yeah you too bye (laughs)